Let's bow together and ask the Lord's blessing on the ministry of the Word this afternoon. Father in heaven, help us as we consider the Scriptures with the help of our catechism in this systematic way. Teach us what your law requires and forbids. Help us, O God, to run to Christ, confessing that we have violated this law in thought, word, and deed. But having done so, I pray that you would empower us to live in obedience to your law. We pray especially that you would help us to understand the seventh commandment now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Baptist Catechism number 75 asks, which is the seventh commandment? Answer, the seventh commandment is, thou shalt not commit adultery. Question 77, what is required in the seventh commandment? Answer, the seventh commandment requires the preservation of our own and our neighbor's chastity in heart, speech, and behavior. Question 77, what is forbidden in the seventh commandment? The seventh commandment forbiddeth all unchaste thoughts, words, and actions. For our scripture reading, we will go to 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 7, 5. There the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, saying, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. This now the reading of God's most holy word. May he add his blessing to the teaching of it this afternoon. Before we can understand what the sin of adultery is, which is forbidden in the seventh commandment, we must first understand God's design for sexual relations. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the pinnacle of God's earthly creation was man made in his image. As Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And in the beginning, God did also institute marriage. As Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. This one flesh union is covenantal, and it is spiritual. In the marriage covenant, two lives become one. It is also physical, though. The sexual union consummates the covenantal marriage bond after it has been made. And this is where we must begin if we are to understand the seventh commandment, which is, Thou shalt not commit adultery. God created sex, so it must be considered good. But like many other things, it is only good when it is enjoyed in a particular context. Wine is good, but it can be misused. Men and women do sin when they drink wine to the point of drunkenness. Money is good, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And so too, sex is good, but it may be misused, abused, and badly distorted. It is good when it is enjoyed by a man and woman bound together 
as one flesh in the covenant of marriage. When two who are unmarried engage in sexual relations, that is called fornication. Deuteronomy 22, 28 and following speaks of the sin of fornication when it says, If a man meets a virgin who is not betrothed and seizes her and lies with her and they are found, then the man who lay with her shall give to the father of the young woman fifty shekels of silver and she shall be his wife because he has violated her. He may not divorce her all her days. Now, we are not under the law of Moses as a civil law code, but we may learn from this law even still. It is fornication that is described here and not adultery, for neither the man nor the woman was betrothed nor married, and the penalty, you will notice, is not death, but a fine. The sin of fornication is a serious sin. Sexual sins, sexual relations are to be reserved for marriage, but a more serious sin is the sin of adultery, wherein one who is married lies with someone who is not their spouse. That adultery is a more serious sin is made clear from the punishment prescribed under the law of Moses. Again, I say to you, we are not under the law of Moses as a civil law code, but we can learn something about the seriousness of the sin of adultery from what it says. The adulterer and the adulteress were to be put to death under the old Mosaic law code. Deuteronomy 22.22 says, If a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die the man who lay with the woman and the woman, so you shall purge the evil from Israel. Now, I do understand by citing these passages from the old Mosaic Covenant, these old civil laws that have passed away now that Christ has come, raises lots of questions that I will not even attempt to answer uh, this, this evening. The point that I am here making is that the sin of adultery is a very serious sin. The sin of fornication is serious too, but according to the old Mosaic Law Code, the sin of adultery is more serious given that the punishments prescribed for that sin were much more severe. The message to you this morning is this, as New Covenant Christians, you need to hear it, don't mess with the sin of adultery, brothers and sisters. It is so very destructive. And if we were to go even further to discuss even greater acts of sexual perversion, we would have to talk about the sins of bestiality and finally homosexuality. Concerning the sin of homosexuality, Leviticus 18.22 says, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. And the New Testament scriptures also speak against these sexual sins. Take, for example, 1 Corinthians 6.9, which says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So, as I have said, To understand the seventh commandment and the sin of adultery, we must first understand God's design for sexual relations. God created sex to be enjoyed by a man and woman bound together for life in the covenant of marriage. All other sexual relations are a perversion of God's design. Sexual immorality of all kinds is to be avoided, especially the sin of adultery. For when the sin of adultery is committed, the marriage covenant, which is a very sacred thing, is broken. Can the adulterer be forgiven? 
Can the adulterer be forgiven? Answer, yes, of course. And so too can the homosexual and the fornicator. I wonder if you heard what Paul said to the Corinthians after speaking of the sins of sexual immorality, adultery, and homosexuality, among other things. He said to the Christians in Corinth, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Such were some of you, Paul said. And by this he indicates that the Christians in Corinth were no longer these things, for they had turned from their sin and to Christ, and having turned from their sins and to Christ, they were washed, sanctified, and justified through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, it is common for, for homosexuals and other sexually perverse people today to say, this is who I am, and I cannot change. There may be a little bit of truth to this statement, but I want you to look at what the Scriptures say. Who you are needs to change. It can change, and it needs to change. God is calling sinners to turn from their sin into Christ, for in Christ there is cleansing, in Christ there is renewal, in Christ there is the forgiveness of sins. If someone ever says to you, this is who I am, I can't help it, I cannot change, you might put this question to them. Would you allow the liar, the thief, or the adulterer to say the same thing to you, to excuse their sin by saying, this is simply who I am, I cannot change. I doubt people will put up with that. If someone has their property stolen from them and the thief says, it's just who I am, sorry, I cannot change, I don't think that explanation is going to be accepted. It's certainly not going to be held up in the court of law. No, you're a thief and you ought not to be. Turn from your sin of thievery into the Lord and do honest work with your own hands so that you can have something to share with those who are in need while you provide for yourself, says Ephesians. And so we would not accept this kind of response from those who commit other kinds of sins. It is no different with sexual immorality. Uh, these sins are to be turned from. People are to turn to Christ and be renewed by Him by the working of the Holy Spirit. And such were some of you, Paul says. Such were some of you. But you were sanctified, justified, washed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The sin that is expressly forbidden in the seventh commandment is adultery. And adultery is forbidden because it is particularly damaging. Not only is it a perversion of God's design for sexual relations, it is also the breaking of the covenant of marriage. I do not need to describe to you, brothers and sisters, the damage that the sin of adultery does to individual lives, to families, and to the society at large. But as, you, as usual, our catechism helps us to see that the commandment is to be interpreted and applied broadly. Not only does the seventh commandment forbid the sin of adultery, it also requires the preservation of our own and our neighbor's chastity in heart, speech, and behavior, while also forbidding all unchaste thoughts, words, and actions. The rest of the scriptures make this very clear, that this is the proper interpretation and application of God's moral law, thou shalt not commit adultery. Not only does the seventh commandment forbid you from committing adultery, it requires that you seek to preserve your own and your neighbor's chastity. Now, it's an old-fashioned word. It should not be old-fashioned, though. It ought to still be on our minds and on our lips. To be chaste is to abstain from extramarital or premarital intercourse, 
The seventh commandment requires us to preserve our own chastity and our neighbors also. This means that men and women should be careful to not bring temptation to those around them. Being mindful of this will affect the way that you dress, it will affect the way that you talk, it will affect the way that you carry yourself as you walk in this world. This also means that husbands and wives should be generous with each other as it pertains to conjugal rights, for this does also help to guard against the temptation of sexual sin. And you may go back and read 1 Corinthians 6, 18-7-5 again to see what I mean. Husbands and wives are to serve one another in this way. And notice also how our catechism applies the seventh commandment to the heart and not merely to our words and actions. When it says the seventh commandment requires the preservation of our own and neighbor's chastity in heart, speech, and behavior. Again, the seventh commandment forbiddeth all unchaste thoughts, words, and actions. God's commandments are always to be applied to the heart, friends. And you should know this by now. Uh, This is the way that Jesus taught the commandments of God. You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So here is Jesus teaching on the moral law. He is saying, Yes, Uh, This seventh commandment forbids us from committing the act of adultery. But I say to you, this is about keeping the heart pure. This is about not even lusting after a woman in the heart. Those who have lusted after another, not their spouse in the heart, have already committed adultery in the heart. Now, uh, Jesus was not saying something new here. Instead, he was giving the proper interpretation of the seventh commandment. God's law was always meant to be applied to the heart. You're to remember that the summary of the law is to love God with all our being and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That is not a new covenant concept. That's what the Old Testament says. So all of these laws, all of these Ten Commandments, were to be practiced with love in our heart for God and for one another. It was the original meaning. Jesus is not saying something new here. The commandment is, thou shalt not commit adultery. And properly understood, this commandment does also forbid lust in the heart. We'll come to the commandment, thou shalt not steal. But also, this forbids us from being covetous towards our neighbor's property and desiring it as our own. The commandment is that we shall not murder, but that implies that we shall not hate in the heart. You see, these moral laws of God, the Ten Commandments, were always to be applied to the heart. From the beginning. And I do not want you to misunderstand Jesus' words either concerning adultery. He is not saying that lust in the heart and the act of adultery are the same thing. They are not the same thing. Adultery is worse because it is the sin of lust full grown. Jesus, in this passage that I have cited, is simply teaching that lust is adultery in the heart. Lust is adultery in seed form. And the, the exhortation, therefore, is root it out, brothers and sisters. Root out the sin of adultery before it becomes adultery. Root it out in your heart. For lust is a sin, and lust is the sin of adultery in seed form. Root it out before it is fully grown, leading to the act of sexual immorality and even adultery. 
Flee from sexual immorality, Paul says. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the, the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Brothers and sisters, if I were to ask this question of you concerning the seventh commandment, have you kept this law perfectly? You would say, no, we have violated this, this law in thought, word, and deed. And you would then be compelled to run to Jesus again, would you not, for the forgiveness of sins? You would be compelled to run to Him for further sanctification. May the Holy Spirit of God continue to renew us and to purge out all of the imperfections that remain uh, within us so that we might honor the Lord in thought, word, and deed. May we keep all of God's moral law in this regard. In particular, may we keep the seventh commandment in this regard. May we honor the Lord in thought, word, and deed. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price by Christ our Redeemer. Therefore, we are to glorify God in our bodies. Let us bow for a word of prayer and then go to corporate prayer. Lord, teach us what your law requires and forbids. Guard us from the sin of legalism, I pray. I pray that none of us here would try to keep these laws to earn your favor. Instead, having been forgiven by Christ through faith in Him, I pray that we would long to live in obedience to these commandments. God, you have been so good to us, merciful, gracious, and kind. You have set your name upon us uh, in the waters of baptism as we profess that Jesus is Lord. God, I pray that you would help us to walk as your children in this world. You have called us to walk as children of light and not of darkness. So help us to do this in thought, word, and deed to the glory of your name. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.